what's going on, everybody? I know it's Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. However, normally I do my podcast on Tuesdays. I was waiting for some stuff to come out, so I apologize, but it is Wednesday. It is another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. I am your host, Cole Haight. Good news is out there in the ether, my friends, that... This Super Bowl is starting to light up with drama. We're going to come out and talk a lot about the Super Bowl uh, on my next podcast, which is either going to come out this Friday or Saturday. All the NFL props, uh, all the Super Bowl props, all the picks, everything, the game. We'll take a look at both sides. A lot of stuff coming out about both sides. It's going to be a very interesting, very interesting Super Bowl this year. Uh, But that is coming and is in the works for this Friday, or I might even do a Saturday morning podcast. So keep your eyes open uh, and or set alerts for when my podcasts come out. Uh, But please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know there's a new rating system on Spotify if you guys leave uh, or if you guys listen to the All in Man Cave podcast on Spotify, please give me five stars or give me some positive or negative feedback, honestly, so I can make this podcast everything that it possibly can be. So, news, news, news. That is the title of this podcast. We have a lot of stuff coming out. There's players getting in trouble. There's coaches being hired. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, so we're going to take a take a look into some of these coaching hires uh, that have happened in the recent days uh, within, I guess, the last week or I guess five days total, if you include when this podcast last came, my last podcast came out, which was last Friday. Uh, but we'll take a look at some of these coaching hires, see what's up with them, uh, kind of how I feel about these these coaches and how they're going to fit on some of these teams, uh, as well as some of these players that are coming out with some drama. There's always drama in the NFL. Sometimes you got to look a little harder to find it, but there's always drama going on. It's 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 a definite, uh, whether it be with a player, whether it be with an owner, whether it be with a coach, whether it be with a fan, it, it doesn't matter what the drama is or who starts it, but the NFL's always got it. So we're always going to have content to talk about. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Pro Bowl a little bit, uh, and and that'll that'll be it. So let's get going. Let's start with the coaching hires. I mentioned on the last podcast there were three teams left to hire head coaches. All three of them have officially named head coaches since I last made that statement. So we're going to start in Miami. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have officially signed Mike McDaniel, former offensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, at, to be their next head coach. Uh, the first thing, and a lot of people are, are coming at this, and I love talking about things on this podcast that are either controversial or out in the ether. There's people on heavily weighing on both sides of it, uh, of how they feel about it, whether it was a good hire or a bad hire, how they feel about the coach itself. Honestly, Mike McDaniel is relatively amazing for the Miami Dolphins uh, and for a few reasons. Number one, Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator for for Kyle Shanahan, former, I guess I should say, offensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, was the guy that Kyle Shanahan could actually take feedback from. Now, if you watch Kyle Shanahan coach games, it's very interesting to see how he works and it kind you can kind of get his vibe based on watching him during 
regular season, postseason, it doesn't matter. Even his press conferences, you can kind of gauge that a lot. He's basically considers himself the engine in in the car. Uh, but but Mike McDaniel w- was considered an offensive genius by Kyle Shanahan, and I feel like he was the guy who would have any type of pushback. Uh, on plays being called, on the way they're going to do stuff in practice. It could be a plethora of things. But it seems like Mike McDaniel had the opportunity and or the ability to to tell Kyle Shanahan that what he's doing, there could be a better option. And and now that's not going to be in San Francisco anymore. It's going to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Now, if you're an offensive genius, now he he's really good in the run game. Uh, he's able to to conceptualize the pass game as well, uh, but he focused a lot on the run game and making it as good as it could be for the San Francisco 49ers, which was very important uh, for their success, not only this season, but in the past few seasons as well uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. So listen, Tua Tonga-Vailoa gets a really good head coach uh, in Mike McDaniel. I feel like that they're going to hit it off, and I feel like the Miami Dolphins offense will look completely different uh, in terms of roster, in terms of the way they go about things uh, going into next season. And I think Mike McDaniel is going to be a great hire. He's probably one of the better hires so far out of the, what did I say, nine vacant spots that were after the regular season ended. Uh, All nine of those vacant spots have been filled with an asterisk over my Minnesota Minnesota Vikings. Uh, because Kevin O'Connell hasn't officially signed as the head coach, yet we are expected to offer him the position after the Super Bowl. Uh, due to NFL rules, we cannot offer him a job before his current job is done. Uh, therefore, we have to wait until after the Super Bowl to offer him anything. Uh, but it's leaning towards Minnesota, and, and Kevin O'Connell probably have come to some sort of background, backdoor deal, uh, regardless of the effects of the Super Bowl, which... To be honest with you, talking about is different than actually doing. So if Kevin, O'Con- Kevin O'Connell goes out there and just absolutely destroys the Cincinnati Bengals uh, for Super Bowl uh, in Super Bowl Fifty Six, there's a there's a chance that he could possibly say that he wants to stay. So it's going to be interesting to see that that kind of break through. But I think the Miami Dolphins have everything to gain. Uh, from the from hiring Mike McDaniel and San Francisco has everything to lose and and honestly uh, listen Kyle Shanahan on your football team as your head coach you're always going to be a step ahead of the average coach uh, he's definitely in the top tier of coaches NFL head coaching jobs right now he's definitely in the top 10 probably closer to the top five if not in it so Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to do that, but losing Mike McDaniel might might mean that their offense loses a step. And I wouldn't be surprised if this offseason they kind of figure out that, that they need to figure out how to surround Trey Lance. They need to figure out how to do that, but I feel like they could have done a better job if Mike McDaniel was still there as their offensive coordinator. That's literally how I feel about it right now. We'll see the moves they make in the offseason. We'll see what direction they go. But it's very interesting, very interesting to say the least, uh, to take a look at what Mike McDaniel on one side of the on one side of the coin is going to do with the Miami Dolphins, what he's going to try and do to make that offense more potent to go with the fact that their defense is relatively good and they have really good playmakers on that team. So the defensive side of the football not going to be the focus point, I don't think, 
going into the draft this year, going into free agency, going into the next regular season. Their focus is going to be on the offensive side of the football and to be able to get somebody like Tua Tonga-Vailoa who, to be honest with you, and, and this is just the general outlook on Tua, uh, he's kind of has, he kind of has the same outlook as Mac Jones where there's an extremely high floor uh, but the ceiling is relatively low. So can you get Tua to the point to reach his ceiling uh, and then make the Miami Dolphins an AFC Thunderhawk, uh, to be quite honest with you? So we'll see what Mike McDaniel does. We have a lot of opportunity from now until even we start talking about the draft uh, to kind of go over what these teams look like in terms of roster management in terms of coaching in terms of what they're going to be looking at improving uh so we don't have to go too far into it but Mike McDaniel's a very good start for the Miami Dolphins uh to try and get them over the hump because for the past two years they haven't been bad they've been competitive yes they started one and seven one and eight I think it was one and seven to be quite honest but won their last eight of nine games so they're a they're a competitive team regardless of who their opponents were and and whether or not the games were considered easier or harder it's hard to rip off that many games in a row and for for w so we'll see what mike mcdaniel does in in miami moving forward next coaching hire the houston texans hire former chicago bears head coach lovey smith so lovey smith hired here uh kurt was currently on the houston Texans coaching staff apparently what was going around and what I've got from the internet and and I watched an interview for it I was waiting for Ian Rappaport I love Ian Rappaport if I had to pick a reporter to go with I would pick him so shout out to Ian Rappaport uh, but I, there's been a lot of sketchy Schefter stuff there's been a lot of sketchy uh, beat writer stuff that's come out for for some of these coaching hires. So I really don't know who to trust, and it's hard to trust just one person, which is why as a, a podcaster, as an avid football fan, as a, a lover of sports, you have to get your your opinions and get everything from multiple sources. You can't just take one source and then just say, okay, well, I'm definitely going to agree with what this guy's saying or girl or whoever it is. So – you got to get it from multiple. You got to get your info from multiple sources. I think Ian Rappaport's sources are good. He himself is a great source. Um, the thing, the thing I don't understand is like, what is the actual difference between Lovey Smith and David Cully? Former head coach David Cully fired after one season with probably the worst roster and the worst organization in terms of off the field issues and on the field issues, as well as roster management. The way their roster was set up was absolutely ridiculous. David Culley completely set up for failure. Uh, but it, listen, what is the actual difference? Now, to be honest with you, in Houston, it's a complete rebuild. Houston needs to completely rebuild. You have all the, the garbage and, and all of the, the off-field drama going on with, with Deshaun Watson. You have a lot of players that got what? I don't know. Uh, you got 30 players that were on one-year deals this year uh, on a 53-man roster, which is absolutely insane if you think about it. More than half the players are either are going to leave or have to be renegotiated for contracts this year, which is crazy. But but Lovey Smith is a defensive guy, uh, and David Culley's an offensive guy. That's their basic difference. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't know where they want to focus, and I don't know where the organization is, is thinking about going. 
Uh, but Deshaun Watson needs to be figured out. They have absolutely no weapons uh, at the wide receiver position, and the only weapon they did have is technically is probably going to leave in Brandon Cooks. He's probably going to end up either getting traded or leaving in free agency. I think I don't think he's on a deal this year. I think his deal's up. So it's it, they don't really have that many playmakers. Their offensive line, defensive line, we don't even need to step there. It's all either mediocre or below mediocre. And the quarterback position this year was a joke. So it, what can Lovey Smith do? Maybe add some, add some concrete uh, culture to that locker room? Maybe work on their defense so that they can stay consistent in games and be consistently competitive in games this year. But I, I don't see anything positive from this. Probably one of the the worst hires. And don't get me wrong, I don't hate Lovey Smith. But there were plenty of options out there for the Texans to go get. And I'm wondering uh, if they settled on Lovey Smith not because he was the best person for the job, but maybe they were getting pushback from some of the candidates uh, that they interviewed that they were the candidates themselves said they probably were not interested to go there based on what upper management, the current uh, the current roster setup, the Deshaun Watson drama. There's a lot of reasons why a potential head coach who probably and, and most of these head coaching candidates didn't have many uh, years of experience being a head coach or any. So. It's a bit scary to walk into that type situation and want to try and lead a football team with what you think are not enough tools to do it. So it's interesting. I, I, this is not against Lovey Smith. I, I think it's against the Houston Texans organization, to be quite honest with you. So we'll see what Lovey Smith's able to do in Houston. Uh, he did have some success in Chicago, not as much success in the Bucks when he was the Bucks head coach. But we'll see what we get uh, moving forward. And the last team on my list of teams that I came out with on my last podcast, if you didn't listen to it, please check it out in the feed wherever you listen to podcasts. But uh, the New Orleans Saints were the last drop uh, of the head coaches. And honestly, I'm not too surprised, uh, although a lot of people are. So the New Orleans Saints had hired, not hired, sorry. I keep using that name, that word interchangeably, and i Literally, my grammar sucks. I'm not a grammar guy. Definitely a math and history guy. So I that, I apologize for all the gra- grammatical errors in this podcast. But to be quite frank, I don't care. So Dennis Allen, uh, D, the D.C. is now going to be running the team. The defensive coordinator currently for the Saints, uh, he is now going to be running the team. And honest, honestly, I'm not too surprised about this. The internet, however, is very surprised. So Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy got a interview, a second interview, and he was in the running uh, for that position as well as Brian Flores. Uh, I talked about the Brian Flores stuff on the last podcast. He filed a lawsuit against the NFL. That may have affected his status uh, in this current job. I don't think that. I don't think that every decision in the NFL is based on race. Uh, I don't think that I think that that exists. I don't think that every decision is made that way. I think it's just a lot right now with Brian Flores doing this um, and bringing this to attention, which uh, God bless him. Uh, I appreciate that he did. The thing is, is that it's a lot to take on, especially when 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 what he's bringing up is is affecting ownership in the NFL, and the ownership is the one seeking the head coach. So he knew uh, he talked about it on his his interview with Get Up or on Get Up, I guess I should say. 
He talked about it. He knew it was going to be hard. He knew that there's a potential uh, possibility that he may never coach in the NFL again. Uh, And this is just one of those instances that he was describing when he made those comments in that interview. So uh, Dennis Allen, uh, listen, great defensive mind. I'm not a fan uh, of Dennis Allen, and and I'm going to tell you why real quick. Uh, Vikings NFC Championship game 2009. Uh, The Saints were involved with the uh, I'm going to take your head off for money uh, scandal. I forget the actual name of it, Uh, but basically their defensive players were trying to hurt uh, the opposing offensive players uh, and would be rewarded for that. Uh, Damn, I can't believe I'm actually forgetting the name of this right now. Anyways, uh, one of you guys at me on Twitter, all in, at all in Man Cave Pod, and let me know what the name of that scandal was. I'm not even going to look it up. I'll wait for one of you guys to give me the answer. But I, I can't remember. But listen, I, that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot for me to take in. It's a lot for me to make a decision on. Uh, but I'm not a fan of him as a coach if he's going to take part in that type deal. Uh, not the biggest fan of that. Uh, Sean Payton came down, I believe he was suspended, uh, or the team itself got fines for, for that entire scandal. I can't remember exactly, but at Dennis Allen, familiar with the team. They don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Uh, they have lost Sean Payton, uh, and they've been relying on defense for a good part of two years now to keep them in football games. So a defensive-minded guy is the comfortable pick. That's not exactly where I would go if I was them. I think if I was a New Orleans Saints fan or if I was within that organization, I would want to flip uh, because you have the players. You have the players on defense, and you will have the players coming into this this season uh, to make that defense at least relevant, even if the defensive coordinator struggles. Uh, And I think that focusing on the offensive side of the football is going to be the most important thing uh, for them to get over that next step. Uh, they've been trying to, they tried already to get over the step of losing Drew Brees. That did not work. Now they have a combined issue uh, with getting over their successes with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And now both of them have exited New Orleans, uh, both to a potential retirement, depending on if you believe Sean Payton has retired from football. So it's going to be hard for them. They've dealt with a constant for a long time, and now they're going to try and do it without a constant. So the organization, the upper management, uh, the the staff at the at the GM position, and all those higher level scouts need to revamp this team, and they need to do it quick because that that fan base is going to want results, regardless of what the roster currently looks like or what's available. They want results, and they want it now. New Orleans Saints fans don't mess around. I've met a few. Uh, they're they're diehard fans. So and their fan base is relatively large. So we'll see what happens with the Saints with the, with this last uh, change to their team. I know they've gone through a lot, but but sometimes new faces mean good things, and that's just something that I think the Saints are going to hold on to going into this offseason to try and get back to relevancy, well, even within the division with Tom Brady's retirement. It's very plausible that they get within the, a game or two, or if not take that division next season, based on the fact that Tom Brady no longer is the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with his retirement. So it's very possible for them to be relevant again. We'll see kind of what the moves look like for them moving forward in the offseason, going into the draft. Do they make trades? Do they make splash free agency signings? Do they address the quarterback position? Uh, is what happens? Is it Jameis when he when he finally recovers? Is it somebody in free agency? Do they draft someone that's not Ian Book? I 
we don't know. I don't know. So we'll see what happens moving forward. All right, let's talk real quick because it is the hottest topic that ever happens a week before it happens. This is never a a huge deal until a week before this game is supposed to be played and probably for maybe a week after. Um, But the NFL Pro Bowl is a joke. So I have a lot of very strong takes on this, and I am pretty abrasive, uh, honestly, as as a person when I get super amped on how I feel about something. I've dialed it back. I've learned how to control it a little bit. But this is exactly the way you need to, and you meaning I'm talking to everyone, including myself. The NFL Pro Bowl is not the best players playing at their top-level plays or their top-level uh, effort. The NFL Pro Bowl is to put all of the best players on a field and entertain at a at a bigger extent than most regular season games, but the NFL Pro Bowl is an entertainment football game. This is not this is not a, a game where players, coaches, the organization, the NFL is telling these players to try nor do they want to. They don't get paid as much money as they would for a game check. Uh, you can go off on me on how much NFL players get paid. I get that. But for them to play and to make it on NFL football teams, they need to dedicate themselves to the game. If you haven't watched Man in the, Man in the Arena, the Tom Brady docuseries, please watch it. You have to dedicate everything or you can't dedicate anything. That's the one thing I've took from that. And it's, it's legit uh, for a lot of things in life. Not everything, but a lot. The NFL Pro Bowl is an entertainment game. You had Trayvon Diggs as a wide receiver being covered by Stephon Diggs, the corner. And they were playing flip-flop positions because they're brothers on the field. You got to stop freaking out about people not trying in the Pro Bowl. And I've accepted it since I think maybe, I would say, probably the past five years I've accepted it. Before it really didn't, I it didn't really hit me to be quite honest that they were trying that little. But honestly, I checked the score on my phone. I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. I, I've never really watched the Pro Bowl unless somebody I specifically wanted to see was in it. And I there was a lot of great players in the Pro Bowl this year. I'm not taking anything away from the players, but I'm not gonna watch defenses not give a hundred percent. I'm not gonna watch wide receivers or quarterbacks not give a hundred percent. I'm just not going to do it. That's not what football is for me. That's not what it is for me at to the core. It's not. So that that that's it. You, you got to admit, just imprint it into your brain. This is not a game for people to try. This is for all the best players at each position to get on a field and entertain and do some do some cool stuff. None of that cool uh, trickery plays. People playing different positions. None of that ever happens on a in a regular season game, ever. Because they're playing for something. This one, they were nominated to this game. I know they get paid a little bit more money, but it's nothing compared to a game check. They don't want to risk getting injured to miss part of the next season. That That's literally what it is. And I wouldn't either if I was in their position. Even if I was only making a, a regular person or a middle class type salary. I would never risk an injury on purpose getting paid less money. It, it, I'm just I I'm just saying. This is exactly how I feel about it. Uh, Some people might not agree. Some people might 100% disagree. 
But you just got to go into it with the right mindset. See your favorite players. See what they do on the field. See the cool stuff that happens during the game. It's cool for those players to all be able to get on one field and show kind of the trick plays that they're good at. Some of that type non-serious football stuff. Uh, But for people to come out every year for the past 10 years and just talk a massive amounts of shit on the Pro Bowl and that people don't try and it's not worth watching, well, then don't watch it. That's it. Just don't watch it then. It's very simple. Very simple. If you're looking for stats, I saw somebody on Twitter is talking about Dalvin Cook only has two carries for six yards and three quarters and he's been on the field the whole time. What? Why are you complaining about stats in the Pro Bowl? If you're betting money on stats in the Pro Bowl, that's already an issue that you need to take care of because that's absolutely that's ridiculous. So uh, the Pro Bowl, needs you just got to admit to yourself that it's for entertainment and entertainment purposes only. It's not for statistics. It's not for wagering money on because God only knows. Like I, I checked DraftKings one time. I think it was some t- somewhere in the at the end of the first quarter, and they were at and they had a live bet option for over ninety five points. I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening in this game right now? It's it's crazy. It's not a real football game. If you're a real football fan and you don't like the Pro Bowl, don't watch the Pro Bowl. That's that's basically it, because it's for entertainment and that's it. All right, we've got multiple, and by multiple, I mean exactly two uh, players we're going to talk about quick and, and what they've been doing uh, since their season ended. Uh, and these are pretty prominent players, but I, I wanted to talk about it because it's very interesting, uh, but for different reasons. So let's talk about Kyler Murray first. So the Arizona Cardinals started off extremely hot this year. I believe they started 8-1 and one, uh, and then went and lost to Green Bay uh, when Green Bay was missing Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and a few other players due to COVID. But Kyler Murray went and took all of his support for the Arizona Cardinals, all the Cardinals posts, off of his Instagram. And it basically caused an entire shitstorm of media just judging the crap out of him so first uh let's mention what it could be and what i think it is so uh, the media the the media frenzy that's happening about kyler murray taking these pictures off of instagram uh is half warranted uh, and half not warranted because there's two possibilities of what could possibly be happening number one kyler murray could actually be upset and want to leave arizona that is a very realistic thing why i have no idea uh, he got a, a plethora of options uh, to throw to this year. He had support from his run game. He performed well. Yes, they lost in the playoffs, um, and they did have a bad end to the regular season, even starting 8-1. and one. But I have he has no reason in my eyes to want out of Arizona. However, the opposite view is what I saw when I was watching ESPN the other day. So apparently professional athletes do this all the time. Now, either I just am oblivious to it or it's like one of those things you really don't notice when you see players on social media, follow players on social media, see their posts every day. I don't look at Kyler Murray's posts every day on Instagram. However, apparently this happens all the time if their media market deal changes or they're going in a different marketing strategy with their the player or the player and the team or what have you. I didn't dig too far into it, but it kind of I pretty much drew, drew from the sticks 
uh, and pre- basically figured it out. Now, that's a very good possibility of of what could happen and why this is happening, uh, that he's just changing in his media stuff. He's going to come out with other posts. He might put the post back up. Who knows? Um, but it is a little odd, and, and for more than one reason. So I saw this come to my phone. Man, it might have been Monday, maybe Sunday night, either Sunday night or Monday afternoon. Uh, I saw the Kyler Murray stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, well, like this, I've seen this. I've seen this happen a few times. I'm not going to overreact to it. It's not a big deal." Uh, but later, I watched a video. Vikings beat writers uh, were inter- were being interviewed and or in a giant interview sesh uh, on the Vikings website, and they were talking about stuff that was written on the internet. Uh, of Vikings fans after the Kyler Murray stuff came out. And I saw the craziest thing, and I have to bring this up before we move on to the next topic. But So the Vikings beat writer rumors slash blog rumors, whatever you want to consider it, because it was via the internet, but actually not a vlog, but whatever, um, is Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, and two first-round picks for Kyler Murray. That is extremely interesting, but I'm not interested. You're going to give up Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond, which I don't have a problem with. But two first-round picks is what I have a problem with. For Kyler Murray, who, to be quite honest with you, doesn't really look like the leader of a team. And you that, that's that been going around the ether since he's been drafted. But if you just watch his body language on the sideline after football games, during football games, before football games, in media coverage, he doesn't look like he wants to be there. And it's very interesting. So I kind of have this like convoluted thing in my head, and I'm just going to share it with you guys because I think this is what happened almost to a T. So J.J. Watt was signed by the Arizona Cardinals to, to help that defense. I don't think that's why he was signed to the Arizona Cardinals in this past offseason. They agreed on a two-year deal. I think it was a two-year deal for $26 million. Either two for 26 or two for 23. I can't exactly remember the number, but at least $10 million a year. So J.J. Watt, older player. They had drafted a bunch of defensive players and have picked up a few uh, in free agency amongst the last maybe two years. So their their defense was getting bolstered. It didn't seem like they needed J.J. Watt is basically the, the picture I'm trying to paint right now. Did they hire J? Did they get J.J. Watt? and put him on a contract to be a leader of that team because they didn't think that their franchise quarterback, number one overall pick quarterback, could be the leader of that football team. It's very plausible, and I think that's exactly what happened. I think they went out and tried to get a leader for that football team because they know that Kyler Murray can't be the leader they want. And honestly, with the struggles and with Cliff Kingsbury having a good start, a bad end, He's had injuries. He's dealt with a lot of coaching decisions that he either has the ability to affect or has the ability to not affect. He's done that since he was hired uh, from Texas Tech. He was the former head coach of Patrick Mahomes, and he didn't really have a good record in college. I believe he was under 500 in his in his college career. So when the Arizona Cardinals went out and made the hire of Cliff Kingsbury to be their head coach, everyone lost their mind. A lot of people, if you go out and listen to podcasts, you listen to sports news, the bloggers, the the everything. If you, if you listen, at, there a lot of people do not like Cliff Kingsbury. But if you get a player that's able to be a leader as a quarterback, you would be able to fill the void at least somewhat 
of the fact that your head coach is a little iffy. And that's not Kyler Murray. Now, if you're asking me as a Vikings fan, do I want Kyler Murray on my team? Absolutely. Do I want to make sure I have someone else who's going to be a leader of that team? Absolutely. But he's definitely not worth two first-round picks, Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond. That's a lot to give up for someone who can't even, I shouldn't say can't, who seems like he doesn't want to lead a football team and be the leader that a football team needs. But interesting to see what happens with Kyler Murray with his social medias, with Instagram, with if he's going to post anything at all. I don't know what is going to happen. What I would assume is that this is going to blow under the table, uh, blow under the rug. This isn't going to have any sort of sustenance. I don't think he's unhappy with where he is. This could blow up in my face, and that could exactly be what it is. But I don't think he has a reason to be upset uh, with his current status in Arizona. Uh, And I don't think anywhere he would go would be a lot better than what he currently has. All right, last guy we're going to talk about quick, Alvin Kamara. If you guys have not heard, I don't think they've released a video yet, which I'm waiting for. Uh, But Alvin Kamara has been arrested. He was arrested right after the Pro Bowl. Uh, They will not say whether he was arrested at the stadium, inside the stadium, or on his way home from the stadium. Uh, But I don't think it's on the way home because it says in the article he was arrested at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas after the Pro Bowl. So what basically happened is uh, there was an altercation between Alvin Kamara, uh, starting running back for the Saints, uh, due to make $14 million this this season. He was uh, spotted in an altercation with an individual. Him and his friends then followed the individual. Uh, from what I'm learning from these articles, this is what it basically outlines. Uh, some of these basic descriptions could be a bit off, uh, but this is what I'm getting from the article. Uh, they then go in, they actually have a physical altercation in the elevator of a hotel uh, at 6 a.m., and this was 6 a.m. the morning before the Pro Bowl, which I believe in Las Vegas, since it started Eastern Standard Time at 3, which would have been a noon kickoff uh, for the Pro Bowl there. So at 6 a.m. the morning of, uh, him and his friends um, are spotted uh, basically beating this guy to a pulp, um, to be quite honest. Uh, he has orbital bone breaks, uh, which is the bone right around your eye. Uh, and then apparently there's either a witness or a video of them then kicking him after he's unconscious on the ground after they've already beat him up. This is a huge this is a huge deal. Uh, and for Alvin Kamara, not only because you should not be beating people to a pulp in a hotel if you're a professional athlete, number one. Uh, But number two, because he was on the trade block for the Saints, who are in salary cap hell, uh, and he was potentially as considered a high trade candidate uh, for a lot of teams and would be uh, for a lot of teams uh, going into this offseason and before next season. So we'll see what happens when more stuff comes out about this this video, about this instance. Uh, you you have to blame and 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 whether it be 0.4% or 40% this is not the first time something like this has happened in Las Vegas it, it it's Las Vegas nothing closes everything's open it's a wild party i get it um and there's two ways to come at this number 1 you have no idea what this individual said to Alvin Kamara 
You have no idea what he could have possibly done to Kamara before you would see this video. And as you're watching this video, if it eventually does get released, I would consider keeping that in the back of your head, what was said, what was done to him to make him respond that way. But also, you're a professional athlete. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard than most people. And there's no way with the media, the way the media is in the NFL, it's amazing uh, that some of these players think they can still get away with some of this stuff that you can do if you're in a small town and you work at a, uh, at a, at a FedEx ground. It's the, the media presence around you, the people with eyes on you, the, the fact that uh, one bad move could stop you from making enough money to, to provide for multiple decades of your family. And some of it is just ruined on bad decisions. And there's been a lot of bad decisions in Las Vegas this season. You had the Henry Ruggs issue. You had the Damon Arnett issue. Uh, you had... Another issue with a Raiders player, I think it was Nate Hobbs, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Nate Hobbs or somebody. It was somebody in their secondary who was found passed out in his car drunk trying to get out of the parking garage one night. It's Vegas. Uh, strong mental capabilities are needed uh, when being when having eyes on you uh, and, and being an important, prominent person in the media in Las Vegas, especially for a football team. Uh, that has a lot of eyes on it since they moved to Vegas. So I'm interested to see what comes out with this story. If we get any more information or if what we have is what we have. Seems like there's always going to be another part. Especially after the first part comes out. Uh, if maybe three parts of a story come out, maybe there's not a fourth. But there's usually a second. Especially starting with Alvin Kamara's statement. Uh, since he was arrested after the Pro Bowl. Uh, and posted bond or bail of $5,000 or whatever that means. But it's very interesting. And Alvin Kamara had a projection to go to a lot of different teams that I was seeing as, as kind of early projections of where, who would want him, who would need him, who could afford him. Uh, but the New Orleans Saints need to get out of salary cap hell. And if Alvin Kamara stuck uh, with a suspension, with with all this this garb this garbage that could happen when when you're not available to be traded, or if teams teams just don't want him because now he's a red flag guy. And if you're not familiar with that statement, the red flag guy is the guy with off the field issues, the guy that has those going on, has a history of off the field issues, attitude issues. Uh, arrest warrant, whatever the situation is, it's a red flag guy. And he was never considered a red flag guy for his entire career in the NFL up until this moment. So that leads me to believe that this individual had something to do with the reason he was responded in that way. Does he is is it the, that person or that individual's fault? A hundred percent, absolutely not. And there's always two sides to every story, but. For Alvin Kamara, a relatively upstanding NFL player with no off-the-field issues, to my knowledge, uh, and not a red flag guy for him to make this type of response. Uh, we'll see with what comes out, but it's not very pretty uh, right now for Alvin Kamara and whether he wants to play this year at all, uh, especially if he wants to play on another team that's not the Saints. So uh, we'll see what happens um, in the upcoming days, I'm sure we're going to get more information on it and we can get a better idea of what's going to happen if he's going to miss time facing suspension, facing jail time. All of that good stuff will come out at some point, probably by the end of the week, but we'll keep an eye on it for sure. 
All right, guys, that's all of the news, news, news of the February 9th episode of the All in Man Cave podcast. I will be back on Friday night. I guess I should say Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. Uh, So keep your alerts ready for the next episode of the All in Man Cave podcast. Going to have a lot of stuff on the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, We'll do some fun props. We'll talk about both of these sides. Kind of dig deep into this football game uh, for for Super Bowl 56. So um, if you guys have any important awesome plans for the Super Bowl, uh, please tweet at me at All in Man Cave Pod. Let me know what you guys are doing. Uh, Please follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, anywhere you can share the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Whether it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, uh, please give me a good review. Please give me any review. Hit me on Facebook in my direct messages, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y, D as in dog, T as in Tom. Uh, any feedback for the podcast, anything you guys would want to hear, I would really appreciate it. Tyler is going to be back soon. Uh, The time has been too long since Tyler Martinez, uh, my good MLB insider, uh, best friend, will be back on the podcast uh, talking about the MLB, uh, talking about the lockout we're going through, kind of looking at some of these uh, some of these teams and what we're looking at for the MLB. So all of you baseball lovers out there, we will have another MLB pod and it will be soon uh, with probably within the week. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that as well. May also have a surprise guest on as well, maybe for Tyler to maybe go up against in terms of how they feel about the MLB and where they're going. So definitely some good stuff. We'll keep up on the NFL news. Uh, we'll keep up on everything that's going on, and I appreciate everybody's support. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I can't say it any other way. So until Friday or maybe even Saturday morning.